0: Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. This is the story of what comes right after the day of Pentecost. So listen for God's word to you today. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have... I give you, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and astonishment at what had happened to him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again to you all. It's great to be with you, and I want to say hi to those uh, watching and worshiping with us online or listening to this sermon podcast later in the week. I have a question for you all today. Have you ever played peekaboo with a baby? You know peekaboo? You know, a game where you put your hands in front of your face, you open them, and you peekaboo? Um... Turn to somebody next to you. Hit them with a peekaboo. Let's try it out together. Just try it out. Peekaboo. I don't know. There's something about peekaboo. It's kind of fun. There's something about seeing somebody's face sort of surprisingly, joyfully show up in front of yours that uh, delights children, little babies, and a couple of you. It really does. Um, maybe it has to do with the way we're wired. The way that we are made, where we desire, we're made to see others and be seen by others, to know them and be known by them, to love them and be loved by them. In the Bible passage that we are looking at together today, we're seeing what the early church was like, what was it up to in those days following Pentecost. Last Sunday, we celebrated Pentecost Sunday. All of you were wearing red, it was very festive, we were speaking in different languages Some of you missed it, but it was great. Um, And this is what happens right after that story. I want to orient you to the text a little bit today. It's about Peter and John, who are two of Jesus' disciples, two apostles, and they go to the temple. They're still in Jerusalem. They are Jewish Christians, so they worship just like all of Jesus' early disciples at the temple. That's what what their regular practice of worship was. And Jesus, we remember, he did ministry. He He taught in the temple. And here they come into the temple. They're seeking to do in their time what Jesus had done in his. And as they approach, they come across a man who was born lame, which means that he had a physical or muscular or maybe skeletal problem from birth that kept him from being able to walk. So he's being carried in by others who bring him on this sort of um, litter, and they bring him to the place where he can ask for alms, which is asking for... um, from money from people who are walking in. And this sounds almost exactly like one of those healing stories from Jesus, doesn't it? It sounds just like what Jesus used to encounter. He was always running into people who were blind or lame or, or were lepers, people who had problems, and then Jesus sought to heal or help. So this guy in the story is being carried in by others, just like that other story. Remember where the, the man was, was lame and he had four friends and they would carry him in? They'd to put him through the roof so he could see Jesus Just like that story, the disciples here are trying to do the things that Jesus would have done. Maybe that's a good definition for us today. What's a Christian? Maybe it's somebody trying to do what Jesus would do. It's not about necessarily what you believe and what you hold in your head. It's also about what you do, how you live, the way you speak. What would Jesus do? Here is a story about people trying to do just that. So this is the first thing to notice, that the church is, the church is uh, up to this. The followers of Jesus are, are doing the things Jesus would, would have done in his time. Peter and John, they meet this man who's been unable to walk since birth. And in this interaction, this is something to notice, there's a lot of looking and seeing and focusing going on. Did you notice that as you heard it? It says that this man sees them. They're walking toward the temple and he sees them. Then they look intently at him. They see him. He's down on the ground. Then they say to him, look at us. So then it says he does look at them. There's looking and looking and looking and looking. I wonder why all of that's in the story. You know, it's a lot of detail around looking and seeing and intently focusing. I wonder if we want to be like Jesus, we need to see like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, we got to see in the way of Jesus. It would probably mean that we would have interactions where we seek to really see and recognize, to know or understand the people we encounter. Not to look past them, not to see them in a utilitarian way, what's it going to do for me, not to see only the problem they have or what's going wrong in their life, Do you remember the story from the Gospel of Mark where Jesus heals the demoniac, and and he asks the man his name, and he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. He's possessed by many demons. Even his name was related to what was wrong in his life. It's how he was known to almost everyone he met. But Jesus doesn't see him that way. Jesus seeks to heal him and bring him out of that state. Jesus doesn't look just on the outside of our lives, but looks into our hearts. Or maybe you remember the story of the rich young ruler, also in the Gospel of Mark, where this guy comes up and he says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, You know the commandments, and you should follow them. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And this guy says to Jesus, Yes, yes, all of these I have done since my youth. Don't worry about it, I've got it covered. I'm here in it. And Jesus, it says, in that gospel story from Mark, Jesus looked at him, and he loved him. He looked at him, and he loved him. He saw him. He focused on him with love. Jesus sees something in that man that was lovable, even for a guy who's a little bit over the top. I mean, the man in that story is a little bit, he's doing too much. He might be over-functioning, He might be bragging a little bit. He's kind of overly religious. He might be proud. But he's honestly seeking something. Jesus sees a person honestly seeking after the things of God and he loves that about him. Maybe we need that reminder today. You know, when we encounter somebody who's doing a little bit too much, who's kind of overworking on something. Or maybe somebody that we meet who is kind of who is lame who is not doing much at all, who doesn't seem to be advocating for and working on their life and, uh, and, and living their best life now the way we would. Either way, I wonder what it would be like to see like Jesus, seeing them with eyes of love. That's the way these disciples encounter the man in the story. I wonder if you think about this week, looking back or maybe looking ahead, Where will God give you eyes of faith to see the people you meet with compassion and love rather than the things of this world? Judgment, rejection, impatience, dismissal. Where can you apply this kind of seeing this week? Kind of reminds me of that famous story, probably apocryphal, of Michelangelo, the great Renaissance sculptor, you remember it. He was an artisan, and he, would, and he saw a block of marble. I think we might have a picture. Thank you. Now we're into the miracle part. A block of marble. And if I saw a block of marble like that, I would not know what to do. But Michelangelo saw this same marble, and this is what he said. I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. You might have heard that. He saw what was inside the marble. That's not the angel, that's the David. But he saw what was inside the marble, what was possible, what was really there, even if somebody else couldn't see it, even if somebody with regular eyes like mine couldn't tell. But the artisan, the lover, the one who knows what's inside, sees it and seeks it. And then he used his time, he used his skills, he used his art to draw it out from the stone. You know, this man in the story from the book of Acts, he is lame from birth. Everybody knows what's wrong with this guy. He can't walk. His parents know it. His friends know it. His community knows it. Even random people walking in and out of the temple that day, they knew it. They could see what was wrong in his life. And then these followers of Jesus, they show up, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're seeking to be God's people in the world. Isn't that what we're trying to do? Be God's people wherever we're placed out there in the world. And they run into him. They they come across him. They look and they see. They look and they really see. It says that Peter and John looked intently at him, not just at his medical diagnosis, not just at his presenting problem, but they saw an angel in the marble. They saw a person who was fearfully and wonderfully made, In the image of God. Maybe it reminds us of the the words of Psalm 139, my favorite Psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. O Lord, you know it completely you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high I cannot attain it. The God who sees us and knows us deeply. That's what Peter and John do in this story. They, they see something in this man, and it's based on how God sees them. You know, there's a scripture that says, We love because God first loved us. It's the same way this way. We see because God has first seen us. So when this man has been deeply seen and known by the disciples, he asks for alms, for money. And Peter is ready to give him way more than that, way more than what he asks for. He says, silver and gold, I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk, and then he picks the man up by the hand, and he stands up, and I want to give you this insight, this sort of spiritual insight for your week this week. The man in the story, the man born born lame, the man who is a beggar is kind of like us sometimes, where we're spiritual beggars, spiritual beggars. We're asking for scraps. We're thinking, well, maybe I could get a little bit of help along the way. Not much, just to get by, just to get through. But we have a God who knows our needs before we ask. And God loves it when we ask. Unlike a beggar who's bothering you, someone who's kind of pulling at your sleeve, God loves it when we ask. Bringing our petitions, our prayers, our needs, our hurts, our desires, our worries, bringing that to God. God loves it. We don't have a God who gets tired of, of hearing about it. We don't have a God who is stingy or closed-fisted. God is not the Scrooge of this story. God's not there with arms folded waiting to see if we'll really get our act together this time. That is not the God of the Scriptures. We have a God who is able to do more, measurably more, than we could ask or imagine. So I want to ask you today, my fellow spiritual panhandlers, would you take a step of faith to seek the things of God in a bold way, in a real way? Would you ask God in faith for more than just a few coins? Would you dare to bring the deeper and harder and bigger things of your life to the God who sees? The man in this story does not ask to be healed although it's the biggest issue in his life. I want to encourage you today that you can trust God with the bigger things that you've got going on. Peter heals the man in the story, and he jumps up and begins to walk, and they walk right into the temple, right into the house of the Lord, and as he does, he comes with a heart that is full, full of thanksgiving, full of joy, full of new hope. So today, in just about one minute, we're going to come together to the table of grace, to the communion table together. And as you come, I want, to, I want to give you these two questions. First is, what are the real and deep and hard things in your life that you would dare to bring to God, to the God who sees and knows you deeply? What would you entrust to God today? And the second one is, as you come forward, how are you praising God? What are you thankful to God for? Like the man in the story who was healed, who skips and jumps and hops and does the doo wop all the way down the way. What is the gladness, the deep gladness of your heart? Where are you thanking God today? I don't know what it is about peekaboo that makes babies laugh so much. I don't know what it is about peekaboo that makes us smile too. But we are deeply wired to be people who see others and know them and allow ourselves to be seen and known too. That's God's work in us. May it be so. Amen.